Hi everyone. This is this is the Crime Cafe, your uh, podcasting source of great crime, suspense, and thriller writing. I'm your host Debbie Mack. Before I bring on my guest, I'll just remind you that the Crime Cafe Nine Book Set and Crime Cafe Short Story Anthology are available for sale on my website, debbiemack.com. Go there and click on Crime Cafe, and you'll find the buy links. So. Now that that's been said, it's truly a pleasure to introduce my guest, the awesome Art Taylor. Art, it's really great to have you on the show today. Thanks for uh, coming on. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for inviting me. I'm. I can't tell you how much um, how much I've enjoyed reading uh, Dell and Louise's adventures on the road. Uh, but the first thing I wanted to ask you before I got to that was you seem to have made a career out of writing short stories. Now, was that intentional or are you just drawn to the short story uh, format? Well, uh, two things. Number one, I think it's tough to make a career from short stories. There's a lot of great markets out there, uh, both anthologies um, and mystery magazines, and of course, online. Um, uh, but the uh, you know in, in terms of uh, of actually making a career out of it, I don't think you reach as wide a readership as you might with uh, a novel, um, which is one of the reasons why I was very pleased to have you know on the road with Dell and Louise come out to to have a book out there as well. But the short story form is one that I particularly appreciate. Uh, you know, I started reading Ellery Queen's Mystery Magazine way back when I was in late elementary school and middle school. Um, in fact, it's a uh, uh, it was a, one of these fundraising drives that the school did where you go door to door to sell magazine subscriptions to raise money for the school. I ended up, don't remember if I sold any magazine subscriptions, but I bought one myself to Ellery Queens. And that was where I first started reading, uh, you know, short stories, um, mystery short stories at an adult level, building off of, you know, having read Nancy Drew and the three investigators and that sort of thing. So the short story, I was always a big fan from the very beginning. And of course, uh, having been in writing classes, uh, both in, in high school and in college, and then went on to graduate school, the short story is sort of the, uh, the focus uh, for a number of reasons of a, a workshop setting, uh, something that, that people can bring in, can, can be discussed uh, in full, as opposed to like a novel portion, which I think is harder to workshop. And so for a couple of reasons, both as a reader and as a writer, um, I have, have kind of fallen, uh, both fallen in love with the form and then fallen into the form as a writer. Um, I enjoy it, uh, admire it, and then I admire people who can write, can write book length, uh, book length pieces as well. Well, I have to say that I admire anybody who can master the short story form, because I think it is the toughest. It's a, you know, it can be a challenge. I've heard, uh, in fact, one of my writing professors, speaking about grad school, who has published, oh, gosh, 20 novels, told me once, she said, I've never been able to write a short story. It's, it's, it is too different for her. And so we hear short story writers uh, like me um, who are, are saying that, you know, we, we uh, wish we could write at the, at the novel length uh, more naturally. Um, it's more of a chore for us. Uh, I hear it in the other direction. A good short story. Um, it it is a it is a different approach. People think of it maybe sometimes as like an apprenticeship. I'm going to start writing short stories, and that's an apprenticeship toward writing a novel. But they really are two different things. You got to write with great efficiency. You have to streamline things, and every little detail not only has to count, but it also has to speak 
So it has to do a lot of work, the right detail, the right line of dialogue, the right little bit of action. Um, so I, I think there is a uh, there is a different kind of challenge there than with a novel, which in many cases works as an accumulation. You know, we're building more, building more uh, wider cast of characters, building more subplots, uh, uh, more conflicts. And so it's, uh, it's two different directions entirely. There's an economy of words in the short story that reminds me actually of screenwriting. Have you mm. ever thought about that? Oh, absolutely. Um, and I think, you know, people, I've heard people compare, uh, you know, a good short story to a poem for example, mm -hmm. and to screenwriting as well. A um, good friend of mine uh, who's a screenwriter, Adam Meyer, was given a workshop just recently as part of our local chapter of Sisters in Crime. And he was talking about the economy of, uh, of screenwriting, the way that, that you know, you, you, it is, it's not that it's, it's just pared down to its essentials, but everything has to earn its place um, in, uh, in the larger workings of the, of the full story that's being told. And so I do think that's, that's very clearly the same. Yeah. That's absolutely true. I can speak from experience. Um, as I was telling you, I really am enjoying On the Road with Del and Louise. And what made, made you uh, decide to write a novel out of these short fiction pieces? Yeah, it, it, you know, it kind of came around in an interesting way. The first story, Rearview Mirror, um, was published several years ago in Ellery Queen's Mystery Magazine. My wife and I actually had had challenged one another to a, um, a little writing contest that the Washington Post ran where they show a picture and you write a story prompted by that picture. Each of us wrote one and I drew on both what was in the picture, of, uh, a picture of a young woman in a convertible with the desert landscape in the back and she's sort of leaning back against the driver uh, from the passenger seat. Uh, and then uh, on a trip that my wife and I took to the American Southwest uh, out to New Mexico, as well in some of the landmarks there. So between those two, I wrote this story and really enjoyed writing it. I don't know where Louise's voice came from, but I think that she was you know, saying driving, she's driving the story with that voice. But after I was finished with the story, it was kind of a standalone. And it was a year or so later before I started wondering myself what happened to those two, what happened to these characters that had been such a joy to be with. And I started percolating then on the idea of a second story. I hesitate to call it a sequel for a reason I'll explain, but a second story that picked up where the first one left off. And as I kept thinking about it, I envisioned a number of adventures they could have on this longer road trip. One of the things that, um, that helped me again as a, as the short story kind of be in a form that I'm more comfortable with is this allowed me to build that longer narrative of the novel out of a series of six shorter narratives that are each sort of their own piece, but that add up to a, 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 a greater journey, a greater storyline, greater narrative arc um, when they're put together. And it also allowed me, this is one of the things that, that I enjoyed, to play within the individual pieces with different tones. So for example, there's a, a story in there that's more of a caper. It's kind of a humorous little caper story that's set uh, in the wine country in Napa Valley. Um, and then a little later, there's a story that's darker that I would classify as domestic suspense or even leaning toward noir that's set in North Dakota. So each of these could sample a different subgenre of the larger mystery genre, get that individual identity, but then overall tell this bigger story about two people, the title characters, Del and Louise, um, and their struggle, their journey to find what they mean to one another. So part of this was, was just aesthetically fun to play with um, and hopefully fun for the readers as well. I appreciate you saying that you enjoy it. 
Oh, I'm thoroughly enjoying it. That first story was just fantastic. And oh. um, I, I just finished it, actually. And I was like, wow. Oh, thanks <laughs> so, so I much. I can see how you'd be intrigued by the characters. The characters, it's so essential for the characters to be interesting in the story. And yeah. the fact that you were able to kind of spin out other stories from them tells me that you know about those characters and care about them. So in the same way, the reader will come to care about them as well. It's interesting you talk about character. And, uh, you know, one of the questions we get, I'm sure you get as well, is, you know, where do, your, where, do, where do you start with a story that you're telling, a novel that you're writing? Is it a situation? Is it a character? Is it uh, a plot? And for me, um, you know, I think this is inextricable one from the other. You know, the, the, the character mm -hmm. determines the plot um, as, as much exactly. as a situation might prompt a character in one direction or another. So... So I appreciate that about the character because I do put a lot, a lot into trying to make them, you know, real live folks somehow. Yes, absolutely. And you do a good job. Um, there's a kind of Bonnie and Clyde feel to, to the characters. Was that at all an inspiration for you? You know, not directly, um, but it's interesting. I'm, I'm, you know, maybe one of the, the dimmest people uh, on the planet when it comes to this, but it was only when the book started to was was you know almost ready to come out that somebody stopped me in the hallway at George Mason University where I teach, and said, "Oh, the uh, you know Dell and Louise, that's sort of a nod toward Thelma and Louise." Um, I was thinking about that too. <laughs> yeah. So I've had the comparison to Bonnie and Clyde, which um, which I hadn't really you know there, there is a there is a reference or two to Bonnie and Clyde uh, in there but they had not been really a direct inspiration. And, and the idea of Thelma and Louise, I was just, I was just slow on picking up that myself. Her name came well before <laughs> I thought about that. Wow. But I do think these, uh, the idea of, of people on the run, a couple uh, on the run and trying to, to both work together um, and then work their own individual goals, uh, their own individual desires, you know, it's part of the tension that I think is interesting about the Bonnie and Clyde story. And of course, about Thelma and Louise adds a whole different level to it. Mm -hmm. But these kind of road stories are, are, I think, in general, terrific. I'm glad that mine may have some small place in that tradition. Well, you must have been very, very proud to get the Agatha for this, for this first novel. It's so unusual and such an unusual novel in its structure. And to get an Agatha, that's just wonderful. That was a, a great surprise. I've been real fortunate in terms of the attention that my work has gotten uh, in, in award recognition. But that that um, that floored me when it got it, because it is such an odd, uh, I, I say odd, it's a, it, it is an oddly structured book. It is, it is. Uniquely um, structured book. It's, uh, it's, it's different. And, and so to have to it, uh, warm to it, um, was both a surprise and of course a very nice surprise. Uh, mm -hmm. there, but a real joy. Um, and, and the Agatha win um, helped to, to kind of underscore that, symbolize that, which was nice. That's fantastic. Uh, a lot has been written these days about our shortening attention spans. Sure. Do you think that the short story is going to make a comeback as a result? There's been a lot of talk about that, and you, you see it from a couple of different sides. Um, short attention span, um, uh, is true, I think. Um, and yet you'll also look at some of the, the novels that are, that are bestsellers that are really just huge. I mean, we think back, for example, about Donna Tartt's The Goldfinch, which is a monster of a book. 
um, and, and caught a lot of attention. And, and so I hesitate, uh, hesitate to say that I think that's going to happen. One thing that, that I, that I do think has contributed to the rise in the short story is the fact of online publications and online journals where things can be shared on social media and on your phone. Uh, or, um, uh, you know, on your computer at work when you should be working but are doing something else. Um, but I think that, that, that some of that has made, it, uh, has made it easier for the short story to find readers. Um, I think it's still a little tough for traditional uh, print magazines uh, or even anthologies to find that wide readership when, when folks a lot of times would prefer to just pick up a novel. Um, so it's, I, I go back and forth about it. I'm very pleased to be part of the short story community um, and, and watching the work that they do, I think there's great, great work being done today. Um, fascinating uh, structures, fascinating characters with a series of characters uh, or individual stories. So I think there's great work being done and I just hope it continues to find the readership that it deserves. Absolutely. Have you ever thought of publishing on Medium or Wattpad? You know, I haven't. Um, I've heard I've heard from uh, folks who have done that, um, but uh, but I have not uh, pursued it yet. There's a great um, couple of great uh, venues out there. Great Jones Street, for example, is publishing and republishing some stories um, interesting way on an, an app. And so I, I do know that and have had a couple of stories appear there. But but that's about as far as I've gone. Hmm. Uh, so have you ever even considered writing a more traditional novel or novella? I have. Um, I've got a novella that I've, I've worked on and that I'm, I'm marketing right now. That The rise of the novella, I think, is something that very much is happening now. A, mm. a shorter novel, uh, not just a longer short story, but a shorter novel that could be packaged independently and, um, and put up there. I think, that's, I think that is something that's very interesting, and I've got one that I'm, I'm marketing now. Um, we're trying to find a, a place to publish now, I should say. Um, in terms of a traditional novel, the the work I did on On the Road with Dell and Louise, I think, gave me some greater confidence in terms of trying to navigate a longer storyline for me, which is was a big step. So I'm working now on a manuscript that will be a more traditional length novel um, and, and still trying to kind of work my way through that, uh, not because necessarily of the, of the troubles of writing it, but just of the troubles of, of trying to navigate time these days. I teach, as I mentioned, at George Mason University, and mm -hmm. finding, finding the time to write uh, in the middle of the semester is, is sometimes a challenge, but I am working on it and looking toward it. Excellent. Good to hear. Uh, what, which writers have most inspired your own work? Oh, that's a, uh, that's a, a good question and a hard question. You know, I read pretty widely everything from, I mentioned about the, the, the range of subgenres out there. You know, I'll read sort of the darkest noir that you can find and also love, you know, more traditional mystery, what some people have called a cozy, and I can settle into both of them. So it's hard to say, you know, for example, if you look at that, James Elroy was a favorite uh, of mine, and Margaret Marin is a favorite, and both have had an influence in some way. Uh, I don't, I don't know which I would say is more of an influence in terms of short story writers. I always go back to Stanley Ellen, um, who is a, is a, you know, published a story a year for gosh, 50 years or so in Ellery Queen's mystery magazine at about that rate. So he, he, he was very, very meticulous craftsman. And I admire so much what he did. That seems to be the, the kind of model that I aspire toward, um, the, the level of prose that he has, the, pace uh, of, of the plotting that he does and the depth of kind of the moral um, 
not moral in a sense of here's a lesson, but the moral dimensions of it, the moral dilemmas that he that he puts to his characters are something that that uh, certainly motivate me to try to up up the the depth of of the stories that I write. So I would always point to him, I think, as as a as a model uh, as well as an inspiration. Wow. Yeah, I'm always interested in stories that explore moral complexity. Um, yeah. Have are, have you ever read the the stories of Raymond Carver? I do. And Raymond Carver is, a, you know, if I think back to some of the stories I read, like in high school, some of the things I was reading when I was first really trying to be a writer, you know, mm -hmm. Carver was one of them, uh, Eudora Welty, uh, Flannery O'Connor. I'm from the South. And so a lot of the Southern writers were important. But Carver is, is I think, fascinating. And I think his influence on on so many writers um, is is inescapable, um, that that attention to uh to the nuances of relationships, to the small ways in which characters reveal themselves. Um, yeah. So yeah, he's a he's a good one as well. Yes. And uh, Joyce Carol Oates, you know, another writer who is, um, you know, we we think of her as a literary writer, but she has had such a track record in genre writing, and the stuff that she does is amazing. I think in the same way. Hmm. Yeah. I think about Stephen King, for instance, who got started in horror but who right. has written in other genres and written beautifully. And sure. So, you know, when, when people talk about crossing genres, if this was some kind of an unusual or weird thing, I think, why? <laughs> I know. Well, part of this an interesting question. I taught a course at, at Mason a couple of semesters ago called Crossing Genres, where we looked at this idea, first of all, the breakdown between literary fiction, supposedly literary fiction, and genre fiction, and the fact that those walls are crumbling. You know, we look at Cormac mm -hmm. McCarthy, for example, who is exactly. as, as ultra-literary writer as we have, but who's writing westerns and crime stories. Um, so that's, uh, you know, that's that's one example there. And we look at the, the folks who are shelved in crime fiction, mystery fiction, that are, you know, certainly certainly writing levels of prose that are contenders um, on a very literary scale. I think about Megan Abbott, for example, or Dennis Lehane. And so I think those are breaking down. But there's also the idea that, you know, science fiction and mystery, those, those are crossing genres too. The problem, I think, is in terms of like publishers and marketing who think, well, we have to establish a brand for this author. And once an author has a brand, breaking away from that can be a challenge. But I think that, you know, the writers that I admire most are the ones who are pushing those boundaries. Um, who are, are trying new things and who are mixing it up. And I think that's where a lot of the most exciting literature is happening today in those places you're talking about, whether it's Stephen King at that level who can afford to do whatever he wants. Um, or, gosh, I'm trying to think of a, of a writer right now, Chris Irvin, uh, for example, Christopher Irvin, who is, is challenging this idea of what it means to have been branded as a mystery writer or a noir writer and saying, look, I can expand beyond this. I have many, many different kinds of stories to tell. I think that's, that's great. You know, I think you're right that uh, especially now with indie publishing, yes. people are able to experiment in ways that publishers might not have allowed them to, to do in the past. Absolutely. And so, I think that, that, you know, part of this is, 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 you know, it's giving people freedom uh, to do things. And, okay. and I think, you know, I, I personally think readers will follow. Readers will go and explore a lot of different uh, things from the same author without uh, without feeling like, oh, this person has betrayed me. So it's, it's <laughs> the independent market, um, the small press, independent market. I think both of those are challenging uh, some of the the uh, the um, 
uh, rules that have been passed down the, uh, the, the things you can't do, so to exactly. speak. Exactly. Yep. I agree. Um, if somebody adapted Dell and Louise for the screen, who would you imagine playing them, the characters? Oh, uh, gosh. You know, I got this question one time on a blog post <laughs> and I struggled with it so much um, because I, I didn't know who exactly to pick. Um, Laura Dean um, would, you know, kind of stand out as Louise to me, though, like a, um, a, though I picture Louise as being younger than, than Laura, Laura Dean, Laura Dern. I'm sorry. I was going to say. Um, yeah. I, I picture Louise is a little younger than Laura Dern, but she she matches kind of what I, I think about. And, um, oh, there was a, uh, I'm not good on my actors. And what is his name? Zach Galifianakis is the one uh -huh. that, that I could see as Dell. I think he would be a great Dell. Um, huh. But it took me a while to come up with that. I don't, I know some writers who picture, you know, characters or actors as they're writing. It never crossed my mind until somebody had asked me about that. So it was a real struggle. It's funny, he's probably a little too old, but I was thinking Nicolas Cage. <laughs> oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. That could be you know, fun. Because I, I remember him from like Raising Arizona and uh, yes, yeah. his other films. You know, he has that kind yeah. of edge to him where you're not quite sure. <laughs> and that's another film that, um, that uh, somebody mentioned that, that this has a Raising Arizona feel to it. Never crossed my mind entirely, you know. <laughs> Wow, interesting. Until, until later. It, took me, it takes me a while. I'm slow. So. Well, if it gets made into uh, any kind of movie or TV show, I hope the Coens pick it up. <laughs> that would be fun. Wouldn't that be great? That would be awesome. Yeah. Um, is there anything else you'd like to add before we conclude? Um, no, I mean, I just appreciate uh, being here. It's always fun to to talk craft and talk writing and, uh, and hope people, you know, in, enjoy what's here. Uh, love them to, you know, Check out the book itself, of course, and uh, and any of my work. Yes, well, I highly recommend it. Thank um, you. Short Stories and Art Taylor, both. <laughs> right. So thank you so much, Art. And uh, before we go, if you're watching this, as, as you can see, I'm a disembodied head right now because my chair is black and I'm wearing <laughs> a black shirt. So apparently um, this is a Halloween, post-Halloween thing I'm doing. <laughs> but, right, we still have our decorations up. So, <laughs> But uh, before we go, I'll just say, uh, please check out the Crime Cafe eBooks, which are on my website, debbiemack.com, under Crime Cafe, where you can also subscribe to the podcast. And if you would, please leave a comment or a like or something. And until next time, thanks for listening, and I'll see you in two weeks.